Hello and welcome to the Miko Bits show. And I'm your host, Miko Bits. Uh, we're going live today with AR and VR game design. We've got quite the expert, John Wolf, here to talk to us a little bit about designing for the metaverse. He's got a really exciting game for you. It's uh, actually uh, Tontachi, which uh, is uh, kind of a Japanese name. It's a bit like Tamagotchi. Uh, you know, it's a uh, it's your little piglet friend. So uh, looking forward to kind of hearing a lot more about this. Uh, you know, but without uh, further ado, uh, here's John. Hey, what's up? What's what's going on, everyone? Uh, Miko, Miko-san, thank you so much for allowing me to be on uh, the show to kind of just talk about the work that I've done. Uh, but yes, my name is John Wolf. Uh, I am a longtime video game developer. Um, I went over into Japan to uh, work in the video game industry, so I'm fluent in Japanese. Uh, Miko, you're you're you are Japanese, I'm pretty yeah. sure. So you That's know, nanka. Right. I love uh, we it. Could we could definitely have some fluid conversations going on there. But anyway, uh, I had the really cool opportunity to work on the first ever Japanese blockchain game, uh, was, which was made by this company called Good Luck 3. And the game was called Cryptoink. And um, wow. that allowed me to merge this, in, this, you know, this interest from video games into blockchain. And ever since then, uh, which is really 2019, I've just been really uh, kind of obsessed or interested in how I can really blend these together. So that would then span, you know, other Japanese blockchain game companies I worked for, like Double Jump Tokyo for a little bit. And then now with my video game studio, I'm uh, merging these two together uh, to make a mobile game and also a uh, augmented reality game. So that's kind of the whole spiel, but uh, we can go into further stuff, uh, whatever might interest you and your audience. Yeah, uh, I guess one of the things I would love to get is just a little bit of uh, more of on your background. So, like, you know, how did you get to? Uh, I guess you were in uh, Osaka, so like that's where my family's originally from. So, how did how did you find yourself over there? Yeah, so I, so I was working in in Boston after college at a mobile advertising company, and we actually had like a Japanese division, but it was it was in shambles, uh, and it was so interesting to see that the reason why we couldn't do business effectively was because no one at the company spoke Japanese and no one really understood the subtleties of, 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 of Japanese culture when it comes to doing business. So that was really interesting for me who already had an interest in Japan and really because of the video game industry, because when we think of games, we think of you know Nintendo, we think of Sega, we think of all these OGs and traditional games that are coming from over there. So blending this business side, as well as my own passions, I was like, all right, you know what, I'm this, this job I have in mobile advertising is okay, but it's not really what I wanna do. So I packed up and I left and I moved to Japan. And I uh, put myself into an intensive language program that was over in Osaka. So I went to Kansai Daigaku, Kansai University. And there I uh, did an intensive language program for a year and a half. It was hell. And uh, when I woke <laughs> up, it was like, it was like if you've seen The Matrix and when um, Keanu Reeves like gets all the information downloaded and he opens his eyes, he goes, I know Kung Fu. So <laughs> it was like Japanese, like from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every single day. And then one day I was like, I'm fluent. I actually have the moment when I knew that I was fluent. If you want to hear that story, like I realized it. But after that, I was in Osaka and then I started to do Shushou Katsudo, which is job hunting, yeah. uh, my own American version of it. And I wanted to work at a video game studio. So I started going around just trying to pitch myself the best I could being like, hey, I make video games. I know English. I know the Japanese. I, mean, I know Japanese. I know the video game industry. I've been working in it can I work at your company? And most people were like, no, because you have no experience. I was like, no experience. I used to be a data scientist, like over in Boston, like doing all this stuff. 
but I had no Japanese experience. So it was really hard for me to get a job. But eventually a, a startup studio over in Fukuoka uh, hired me. So I moved from Osaka to Fukuoka. And then the rest is, as they say, history. Wow. Wow. That is yeah. so astonishing. And what an incredible journey. Uh, you know, I think your Japanese sounds very fluent. So I'm, I'm pretty uh, impressed. So, you know, that's that's an amazing thing. And, uh, you know, I think uh, one other thing I want to double click on, too, is, uh, you know, you did a stint with the... Uh, Gumi Games, where they're publishing uh, Double Jump Tokyo's uh, My yeah. Crypto Heroes. So yeah. I'd love to kind of le learn a bit more about that before we get along sure. to uh, Tontachi. Sure, sure. Um, so yeah, it was really cool to see exactly, you know, there's not a lot of Japanese blockchain gaming companies out there. Again, Good Luck 3 made the first one, Double Jump made, um, made My Crypto Heroes, which was great. And so I came on uh, around when Brave Frontier Heroes came out. And what I really enjoyed about this is that you had not seen at this point, and this was still early like 2020, that we had not seen uh, bigger studios, um, known studios with known IP cross over into the blockchain space. Because again, I, I love to see how Japan actually leads a lot when in some of this new technology or things. And then later on, actually, other places catch up. And I feel like actually Japan gets a little bit left behind, but I digress. But um, so what was really cool was that was that Brave Frontier, you know, was is, yeah. is a famous title. Like, I think, you know, has a record for having the most uh, mobile downloads in like 2014 or 15 or something with Brave Frontier. Yeah. And uh, it was really cool to see how Double Jump was able to get that partnership or to make that IP to be like, all right, we're going to make a spinoff. And I really, really appreciated and enjoyed the fact that I was able to be in on that because I was doing community management. Um, I was helping out Double Jump to understand, you know, how they wanted to break into the uh, overseas audience, but also to see how, you know, games are going to end up merging NFTs into their product. And since then, now Double Jump has partnerships with Square Enix and Sega. And, you know, now over here, we have everyone who's like, you know, Atari wants to work with Sandbox and all these other things. But this was one of the first projects that really did that. Um, so I had the opportunity to actually work on a cross project, which I was so happy about, in which I was linking up with uh, Gumi over in Singapore, and actually Gumi over in, in, uh, in Japan, and then also Double Jump. So I had three different actors that I was talking to, to be like, all right, guys, we're going to do a campaign where um, if people, we're, we're going to have one of the Brave Frontier Hero characters that the community decides to show up and be on sale inside Brave Frontier Heroes. And they're like, okay, let's do it. So then I was able to work with them to uh, have a contest. Uh, uh, what is it like a character contest on Facebook and on their Discord? So like everyone decide who you want. All right, they decided. We put it on the marketplace in the form of NFT. People sold. People were buying it. So then you had people who don't know anything about blockchain, right? Native gamers yep. getting into the blockchain space through this campaign. And then we also had that inside of Brave Frontier Heroes, you if you completed you know X amount of missions then you'd be able to win items that we would obviously give you items inside Brave Frontier Heroes, but we also agree, we also had an agreement with Brave Frontier where we would give you items that they could use in the, in, in, in the native Brave Frontier game. So we had interoperability going all over the place. And I was like, I was first of all, I was really proud that I was able to execute this, but also like it got, it really got individuals who like Brave Frontier into Brave Frontier Heroes. And that was a really cool project. So um, Brave Frontier Heroes is still being ran. There's still going on now. My Crypto Heroes has introduced the, you know, their own uh, coin now of My Kuti. My Kuti is, is like their Japanese shorthand for My Crypto Heroes. My Kuti. Yes. My Kuti coin. Uh, so My Crypto <laughs> Heroes coin. Uh, and you know they've they've been able to get that out there for it to circulate into their game economy. 
And uh, now they've moved on to some you know, new projects, but uh, those existing games are still running, still going strong. And it was a real pleasure to be able to kind of still have these relations with them now, but to really get more of a sense of not only how Japanese games are made, but now how Japanese blockchain games are made. And I've even been trying to internalize that into my own project. So yeah, if you have any more specific questions, I'd be happy to answer, but that's kind of what my experience was like. Uh, oh, it's just, it, it's really tremendous. I mean, I, for me, I, I, one of the things that I'm, I'm really fascinated by, and the reason why I really invited you to come join the show is that like, in a way, like, you know, your path has, has been really novel, right? And it, yeah. your novel path is really, in a sense, there's an element that kind of describes this kind of archetypal hero's journey in the sense that you kind of travel from sort of like a Tatooine into like the Rebel Alliance or, you know, and so you move from like a, you know, from a, like a Dorothy, Kansas, you know, to, to like Oz, you know, so like, you know, because in a way, and you, you mentioned the Matrix as well, which is also kind of a classic template sort of hero's journey, right? So in a way, like the, the necessity to kind of metabolize this kind of like extreme and to be honest like as a japanese american like the extent to which japan is different is is it's stark like you know like it's a it, japan is very different like it's a it's an uncolonized uh country with an indigenous kind of nature spiritual tradition called shintoism like it's 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 different japan is different so like yeah. you know I, i'd love to hear your commentary on, on that oh man oh my goodness <laughs> well starting from the fact that you talked about the hero's journey i like how you said that because you know um some i actually love you know the old greek tales of, of the heroes of like you know hercules and perseus and everything and yeah they go and every single one of those heroes goes on they have a they have 12 steps in their journey and it's halfway through where they meet their antithetical self they have to end up you know defeating pretty much their opposite and they don't Amazing. really like they actually merge with it so you know i was in japan and in order to learn the language i had to deconstruct every single aspect of not only language but myself because you oh know my God. talk about how japan is japanese is different i mean you know the front cover the back cover is the front cover we read uh, uh horizontally they read vertically so if you can understand that, I mean, like everything else is backwards, right? It's a very simple mechanism to get that. It's everything else is different. So I had to rebuild up myself so much and it was very difficult, let alone, um, I think it's Fraz Cannon. It's, it's, he's, a, he's a black psychologist from like, you know, back like almost like late 1800s. And he yeah. says to take on a culture is to take on, or to, to learn a language is to take on a culture. And, yeah. and so it was, it very much was a lot like me to have to try to, uh, figure out so many things out about Japanese culture. And the last thing I'll say, other quotes I have is um, from Beowulf, where it says, uh, it says, foreign places yield more to he himself who is worth meeting. So instead of fighting the culture, really, I just allowed myself to, you know, really just live it. And I had so many beautiful experiences um, in that regard. But there was a lot of, you know, Western value and, and Eastern value that clashed. Uh, Shudan Shugi means collectivism. Uh, oh, Koji yeah. Shugi means individualism. Yeah. So uh, Shudan Shugi is reflected in video games, right? I wrote a I wrote an article about. It. I actually wrote this paper actually in Japanese, and it's re it's, re it's reflected as a cultural value, but it's reflected in video games. So you see, uh, right, what what game reflects that value? Something like Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy doesn't do that well over in the West, as, yeah. outside yeah. the people who love it, but it's because we don't culturally uh, uh, resonate with it, as opposed to. Call of Duty, Kojin Shugi, first-person shooter. It's me against. It's only me. It's against, and it's, I'm against everyone else. 
and bringing myself up by, by my bootstraps. So it's amazing to see that reflected in video game genres alone, um, to see the favoritism of how they work. Also, I mean, think about it. Brave Frontier Heroes, My Crypto Heroes, they work really well over in Japan because they are traditional. They have a more traditional uh, Japanese essence in terms of game development, and they are turn-based, and they're more of group-based games where it's harder for them to get to the overseas audience because they're like, well, you know, we like the fact that it's a blockchain game, so therefore I like it because I can make money, but this game itself doesn't necessarily resonate with who I am. So no, I love I love this. No, 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 no. I wanna I really wanted to get here because this <laughs> okay, is a okay. lot of the richness <laughs> of it, right? And yeah, what I yeah. mean by this richness is is that you've identified this sort of ultimate hyper base layer distinction right and yeah. the thing that's fascinating is is that unpacking that part of the culture is so uh fascinating because for example one of the ele cultural elements that sort of almost like this uh aesthetic in japan is this concept of like the gumbaru culture right mm. which is i kind of translate it as sort of bravely producing effort right and in a way the thing that's so interesting is is that it's actually uh shidan shugi in the sense that your purpose is not to glorify yourself by producing effort, right? Yeah. And it's not an ego trip, right? Correct. It's just that you notice that when people produce effort, they uplift their community, right? That people yes. don't get dragged down, right? Yeah, and right. so in a sense, like the it's purpose, about, yeah. But it's so amazing because when people yeah. when people see this kind of Gumbara culture, they really think it's about individual like uh, you know expression and heroism, yeah. you know. But it's completely community centric. Very amazing yeah. insight. So I, I definitely appreciate yeah. it, you know. And when you talked about this kind of idea of overcoming the self in the hero's journey, right? You really kind of reflected on this kind of construct of apotheosis, right? It's sort of that peak expression of this kind of the abyss right you're inside yeah. of like the land yeah. of the dead right yeah. and, you, and you kind of come into confrontation with you with yourself right and i mean my 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 coup de gras uh again because we're not we're not even talking about blockchain stuff anymore but was that uh, just before i left because i was there for four about four and a half years um i keep this story pretty close to the chest but the last thing i was able to do is i was able to actually meditate with zen buddhist monks and then i actually left uh the next week so i went to a temple that oh. happened to be nearby um again like you know i speak japanese and they're like to make it a really cool you know example or rather uh, yeah. just for people to see it was like it was like going into a club because i wanted to go see a specific uh statue and the monks were like no 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 no, you why you're not allowed to come this close and i like gave them my spiel was like you know i've been i've been translating these these, these texts you know this is who i am and they were like Oh no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go, 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 go ahead. And they're like, they let me to get closer and like actually be uh, along with them. Yeah. And right. then someone else, yeah, then someone else closer stopped me was like, what are you doing here? And then in the back, they're like, no, 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 let let him through. He's let him do what he came here to do today. And like it was like, all right, I have, I'm ready. You know, I think I'm ready to go back home. <laughs> you know, I'm getting chills because I'm thinking <laughs> uh, what I'm thinking about is I'm thinking about Trevor Noah's born a crime. Right. And I'm thinking about a very specific scene and it's a specific scene where he's kind of walking around a big city. I think it might have been like Johannesburg or something. And he hears these dudes behind him. Right. And the people behind him are experiencing him as like as like a white person. Right. right. Because he's kind of mixed race. Right. And so they so they say like they say like like yeah. they say like let's let's mug this white person. Yeah. Right. And the thing that he does is gets their tribal dialect uh -huh. and he nails it 
perfectly. Yeah. And he yeah. says, he says, yeah, let's go get her. Right. And as if as if he was them he was looking the looking for an additional person yeah, yeah, to like yeah, yeah, victimize, yeah, yeah. right? And and yeah. instantly the people that were gonna attack him uh, were just they just totally mind shifted. Yeah. They were like they were like, Wow, yeah. you know, yeah. and so so they had this moment where they're like, He's he's really one of us, right? Like this is you know, that's a that is an amazing moment. So I, yeah. I love hearing I about it. Yeah, I have a couple of instances and stories like that. But yeah, merging the two and then having to come back home back because I'm in Michigan uh, to try to bring it all together was was really difficult because after all of that, you know, I had developed a, a side of me and a part of me and I knew all this industry stuff. But I was like, how can I, you know, congeal it, amalgamate it in, in for my own financial benefit, but also for my own, you know, personal growth. And that's why I've been really happy that I was able to maintain the connections that I had uh and stay in this industry to make this project but anyway so that's that's that was my japanese journey um on no the, it's super helpful surface level <laughs> i i you know and obviously we really want to jump into tontachi and the games that you're making uh you know for me one of the things that this show is about is it's about kind of the humans right so i'm mm. super appreciative that you kind of shared a little bit about yourself you know, I think there's definitely kind of superpowers there. And, you know, and I'd love to further this conversation because you, you've had a very formative and unique set of human personal experiences. And, I, you know, I think it's got to be reflected in what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. But, but also to make it relevant, just as, a, you know, that was the time when we, when, again, before, this even before uh, before Double Jump, but also still a lot over at Good Luck Dream, we had Cryptoink, you know, I was doing international business for them. And that's when I began to meet uh, you know, uh, Benny of Crypto Kitties, because they had, they would have their uh, first informational session over in Tokyo. That's when uh, I met Jeff, Jeffrey, uh, you know, Jiho. Um, yep. You know, we all were very early in that stage before they, any of us had 200 daily active users in our games. And we were just hanging out. You know, I've had plenty of drinks with them. I've taken them out in the, a, a nine town in Tokyo. Uh, I have, we've done a collaboration with them in the past. So like, it was a really cool time of blockchain games because then it was about interoperability and like trying to figure out how, you know, we're going to grow in this space, how, what kind of cool games we can make with each other. It's gotten, I mean, obviously NFTs and cryptocurrency has blown up since then. And now we have so much more industry and IP and branding going on, but it was really like that early 2019 when it was really just like us hanging out and stuff like that. And I really appreciate that time to be on the ground floor of that. Of, of this renaissance that we're seeing right now. Um, but again, that all happened because I was in Japan. Uh, I went to Finland for uh, blockchain related conferences. Um, that's where I met, that's where I met uh, um, Sebastian for the first time of Sandbox. Yep, yep. Uh, he's been we, on the show too. Yeah, so there was, there was the, it was the BCG, the blockchain, the blockchain gaming conference over in Helsinki. And they had like a roadshow pitch competition and we we didn't win. I was I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm trying to win this competition. He wins, and I'm like, who is this guy who's gonna you know who just beat me? And he ends up you know obviously you see everything that's going on with the sandbox now. But it was like it was him, me, and like two other teams. Uh, but we, you know we became good friends then, and it was really cool just to be to that I that I consider myself uh, really young in the space with these individuals during that time when I was in Japan. It was really special. Yeah, it is an amazing gateway into uh, what you're building now, right? Which is the Tontachi game. So I'm I'm super excited. I I think uh, earlier we were saying you could share some screens. So I'd I'd love to kind of get a better feeling yeah. for the game, and then we can start talking about your uh, motivation, inspiration, roadmap, all the good things. Sure. 
Okay, yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, yeah, the, 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 I'll show just the quick tech demo, and then I'll show kind of uh, the cool little partnership we have going on right now. But um, so as I mentioned, you know, uh, I was helping out uh, Good Luck 3 when they made this game called CryptoInk. And so, and those are these really cute pigs you see here. I the, love uh, the, the uh, characters exist over on OpenSea. There's about 88,000 that have been bred. So, you know, very similar to Axe Crypto Kitties, where you have uh, a bunch of characters, you can breed a red one, a blue one together, you get a purple one. That's, that's a poor example of how robust this uh, blockchain-based DNA can be. But uh, here's a collection of where they exist. And so I what, I, what I was talking about with them when I was there was like, you know, you guys have the first 3D NFT game that, that's out there. You know, you, let alone you have the first Japanese blockchain game, you have the first uh, 3D NFT game that's out there. We can do more with this. And this is actually where, you know, again, cultural values kind of conflicted. And they were like, well, we're not exactly sure if we see this going where you, where you think. And I was like, yeah, allow yeah. me in Japanese was like, you know, most honorable sirs, please allow me the humble <laughs> right to be able to utilize these characters so that I may I humbly this. make a game that will honorably, you know, do you guys Amazing. justice. Amazing. And they were like, yeah, sure. So I have a uh, IP, oh, cool. I have an IP right to be able to utilize their, their characters but I have been utilizing them to build out my own specific game, which I'm gonna show right now. So this was my wallet that I was showing of the ones that I have. So just keep- Is up. that an Axie? Yeah, so again, like I said, back in 2019, like we were all friends. So we actually did a collaboration with them. So one of our game characters is over is a land item. If you, if you look on their land items and you see the little pig on a treadmill, that's yeah. a representation of our partnership. And on our game, we had a set number of uh, Krypton, our crypto pigs, Krypton, Tone, is the character yep. for pig in Japanese, yep. uh, 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 has axes on top of them. So people haven't even seen 3D axes before. And actually I use this in the example, so you'll see it. Uh, so these are examples of some of the ones that I own. So this is my wallet, right? So now I'm going to just, and there we go. There's the Axie one specifically. Uh, so, you know, we were all buddy, buddy. And everyone's like, yeah, go ahead, give it a shot. Like see what you can do. So um, this is our game. The UI looks a little bit different now. This is still a little bit rough. But you go through, you know, you pick your first off-chain character here. It's called an Eggton. Kryptons yep. are ones that have crypto infused. Eggtons are ones that are off-chain. Oh, he's really awesome. Cute little character. Yeah, he's cute, right? It took us a while to get these, to, to recreate these graphics. But, um, but now, you know, you put in your name. I give it the name of Mr. Oinky. And then, uh, you know, we have a little interface here of a window. And you take it outside. And when you say outside, where do you go? You go outside into augmented reality. So this oh. is a room that I have. And I'm mapping out, you know, the room. Uh, it's it's scanning the room, understanding what is what objects exist there, what flat surfaces exist, and then I'm able to then just instantiate it right there in front of you. So there it is. Oh. Now we have our off-chain character looking all cute in augmented reality. And what can I do with it? Well, then I can now feed it, and I can pet it. I think the first thing I do here in this video is I pet it. No, I feed it. Okay. So then I drop, you know, a snack. It goes to find it. It goes and jumps and it oh. eats it. And it's all happy, right? So I, your reactions, it's ka kawaii, right? Oh, and, it is. And that so, is and, and, and that's what's cool because again, this is an amalgamation of the projects of things that I've been doing because in Japan, you know, I, I worked with this company that used to have the rights to uh, make Sanrio games, uh, Gudetama. So that's Hello Kitty, right? So yes. they understand the kawaii element of this super stimuli of cuteness, which is going to make you have an attachment with it. That's what we're going for in this game. Hello, Hello Kitty, by the way. I just wanted to assert that I have had some conversations about it because in a way what's happening with NFT is it's sort of the object first database for the metaverse, right? Okay. For the new yep. internet, right? And yep. so when you think about it as object first, 
the thing that's so interesting is that the objects are actually kind of largely detached from narrative, right? So if you go back into the history of this, right, Sanrio is almost like Hello Kitty is almost like the er example of almost like character, which is sort of the embodiment of like cuteness. But yeah. I mean, there's no story. Like there's yeah, there's no, nothing. Yeah. There's no narrative. There's nothing. Right. There's no yeah. video game. There's no movie. There's right. no theme. Now there now there are. Now there's theme right. park. There's yeah. everything. But like yeah. at the beginning, it was just this is cute and that's all. Right. So okay. it's it it's it's very seminal to this idea of like NFT, right? Because it's sort of you know embodied cuteness. Anyhow, exactly. please go ahead. No, no, that that was a great point because because what I because during this time what I realized when we you know we launched this project and we had people interested, but it it their interest fell off because they weren't seeing enough utility. And I personally feel this is going to happen with NFTs in the future because this has already happened again in Japan, which is ahead of its time when this stuff happens. Um, that it's great that you have, you know, uh, a piece of art. I'm not taking anything away from that. But sometimes people are like, well, what can I do with it? Like, what can I actually do with this object? So we have these NFTs in our game that you could do things with, but it wasn't enough for people. And for me, it was like, well, what can we do next with exactly the, the object itself? And that's why I was like, let's go ahead and see what we can do about augmented reality, which segues perfect into what I'm gonna show you right now is that uh, the proprietary technology that my team has built out, Urban Electronics, Urban Electronic Games, is that you're able to natively import those 3D NFTs into the game. So uh, you can see here, it says pasted from OpenSea. I pasted my wallet address. And now you're going to see that all of those Krypton that exist within my wallet are now natively here in the game, right there. You know, those are all the ones I showed you before. And we're still going to go with the Axie example because you saw that one is that, yeah. all right, I choose that one. So now I have imported a 3D NFT into my game where you're going to see it right here. Took a second to load, only a second. And now it's here. And so what I'm going to do now, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to go back in augmented reality. But first, I'm going to check my tasks. See what I got. Uh, I fed my Krypton, so I'm gonna go ahead and claim that real quick. I pet my Krypton, so I'm gonna go ahead and and claim those quick things real quick because you know it's a game after all. Um, and then we go back into AR. And now I'm doing the same thing where I'm looking for a spot. And there we go. So now you're seeing what a lot of people haven't seen before. You're seeing a 3D axie people have never seen before. You know, you're seeing 3D NFTs that people don't even know that NFTs can be 3D, and they don't even know you could do more things. This is utility for an existing, uh, you know, more static piece that now has been brought to life and is now your pet that you can raise and you can take care of and you can do really cool things with it. So there's one more element that I'm gonna show um, in terms of how utility is cool here. But as this video plays out, you're gonna now see I was petting it. So I, go, I have to go around different parts of its body to find it. So behind its ear, maybe <laughs> its bottom, you know, its nose and some places it'll like, some places it won't. Um, then I start walking and you'll see that it's following me because our, the technology allows us to map out an entire 3D room. So I'll go into another room, go into another room and it's going to completely follow me. It's even gonna go up <clears throat> on this ledge. I'm like, come on, come on, you can do it. It's like, come on, come on, come on. And then it goes, it keeps on following me. So <laughs> it'll, it'll follow me for, you know, as long as I guide it, it'll come. And we're doing really cool things like tracking, you know, health metrics and things like that with this. Uh, and the last thing I'll show just uh, real quick is just what is a cool thing we're doing right now is um, I was able to kind of work with uh, Niantic a little bit. And so uh, now their uh, SDK is kind of what's being ran in the game. And so we're actually now able to do local races. So if you and I, uh, uh, Miko, were in the same room 
and you had yours at level five and I had mine at level one, you would win, but we're able to map out a room and then actually have a race happen from point A to point B. And the winner is going to be decided upon, you know, who is taking care of their, uh, of their creature the most. So that's the whole kind of like gameplay. And we've been meshing a game economy into it because if you're a blockchain gamer, you have to be able to make a game economy, not just a game anymore, which takes a little bit more time. But that's what I've been doing with uh, a previous association while also still doing something proprietary for myself. And hopefully it takes off and uh, becomes a, a project that a lot of people like. That's pretty amazing, right? And obviously, like what we've seen is we've seen kind of crypto kitties, sort of the origin yeah. of NFT, right? And obviously, we're seeing lots of dogs that are kind of finding their way into Doge coins and Shibas yeah. and things, you know, and now, now we're kind of uh, seeing uh, piglets. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Well, they, hey, they, they were there. It's just, it's just, we're just trying to make these OG projects come back because, you know, CryptoPunks had their resurgence. Uh, you know, everyone knows it only, and everyone knows Axie now, but people are like, oh, CryptoKitties was around. So it's just me trying to give more utility to existing NFT and their furnishing project while still, you know, making something novel for myself and for people. Uh, but yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I, so one of the things that I think is a clear predecessor and something that actually has also kind of precedent in the crypto community is like Tamagotchi, right? So like, you know, I think for the audience's sake, Tamagotchi was sort of an egg-shaped pet, right? And Tama is like a egg, you know, so Tamagotchi, Tamago, right? Yeah. Is, it's basically like this idea of your egg pet you know, and then the little was a digital item that you could basically take care of a pet, right? And it eventually hatches and does all kinds of things, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, in, in DeFi, there's Ave Gochi, right? Which is the yeah. Ave Tamagotchi, right? So I, I feel yeah. like uh, you're sort of kind of coming into it from a direction. So I, I, I'd love to have your comment. Uh, so uh, I will take nothing against uh, Avagochi or uh, Avagachi, or uh, I won't take anything away from them except for the fact of uh, their usage of the Japanese term is, is they're, they're just using it. They're just, they're just, they're appropriating it almost a little bit. And I, I hate to say that in a negative way, but they're using it because the reason why Tontachi is named Tontachi, as you mentioned, Tamagachi, Tamago, go, or uh, Tamago, egg, and then yes. Tachi is a pluralizer, um, or, it, or it's plural as an, as an S or like a we, but ta Tomodachi also means friends in Japanese, right? So Yes. Tamagotchi is actually eggs or egg friends. You know, that's the actual translation of what it is. Tone Tachi is tone as 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 it is, is 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 pig in Japanese. Tachi is still that pluralizer, so it either translates to pigs or pig friends. So that's that's the reason why the wordplay, because people are like, oh, are you trying to use avagachi? I'm like, no, I'm actually just having fun with words that I know that they translate into what the product is. It's just, it's just clever. It's just, it's just wordplay that's clever. Um, but it, it is interesting that a lot of these blockchain games right now are going in on the, the pet uh, avenue. There are so yep. many that are that are doing that because um, everyone is pretty much trying to replicate a Pokemon type model of yep. having a lot of characters. Some of them are scarce. We have a battle system. Like I'm not taking away any. I'm not taking away that from anybody. But it for whatever reason the collectible aspect of the traditional Pokemon and Tamagotchi um, projects seem to work well in the DeFi blockchain NFT uh, gaming space. It's very interesting. Um, and then everyone tries to, you know, tout, toot their own horn that like, hey, we're the, we're the next gotchis of whatever, or hey, we're Pokemon going the blockchain. 
I personally am just trying to make a project of quality and having some nice wordplay there. But th those are my comments on, I think, uh, kind of how that's been working in the space thus far. Yeah, it's fascinating. I would say another kind of meaningful precedent is uh, kind of if you go back to the birth of the internet and e-commerce, there was kind of this uh, Beanie Babies, right, which is kind of in some ways tied to the birth of eBay, right? Yeah. You know, so if you look at the contrasts, right, like obviously eBay was kind of the auction store for uh, physical objects, right? And, it, you know, the parallel is kind of OpenSea, you know, the yeah. eBay for digital objects, right? But if you go back to Beanie Babies, Yep. There was this kind of like boom, right? And I think yep. the, the parallel here is that the Beanie Baby is a kind of collectible, but it's also kind of this cute animal experience yep. and collectible from that perspective. Yep. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, well, it's great that you mentioned that because I don't know if you, for, so on Vice has like, uh, Vice has a series called like the dark side of whatever. So they have the dark side, dark side of the 90s. And they actually have an episode about Beanie Babies. So I think I watched it like maybe a month ago because I was over here being like, wow, like this is like this. These are some these are some useful notes for like what's going on right now. Um, so I completely saw those parallels. I completely agree with you. Uh, the specific notes that I can make is that it makes you think about, again, supply, because at a certain point, uh, the creator kept on saying that like he he knew that he could drive sales by saying uh, this is the final one or like we're they're going to be no more left. And so there was a huge craze, I think at the turn of the century of everyone buying Beanie Babies because they thought it was gonna end. And then he comes back and says, welcome to the turn of the century. Now these Beanie Babies are here. And that's when their, um, their, uh, their popularity and their value plummeted because it was like, well, we're just gonna keep on having Beanie Babies out. And so that happens a lot in blockchain projects in terms of um, supply. And you have so much supply, you have inflated value. You don't have utility for them. So it's like, why do I have these collectibles and are they really as rare as we're kind of making them out to be, which again was a problem that we had in about 2019, which is the reason why I feel like this remix project gives them value again, but I feel like you're going to end up seeing this issue again of supply and your really your economics and come into blockchain come into play when you're minting your NFTs. So yes, the parallel is definitely there, but I'm definitely looking at it more from a, from an, from a blockchain economist uh, point of view. Um, as well as the novelty of the collectibles themselves. No, I like what you're saying about supply, right? Because the thing that's funny about something like Shiba, right, is that if you have a Shiba, if you have a Doge, then you can have a Shiba. And if you can have a Shiba, then you can have an Akita. And if you can have an Akita, then you can have a Chihuahua. And if you can have a Chihuahua, you know, so it's sort of like, when, when does that end, right? So, yeah, yeah. you know, I think, I think it's, it's definitely, uh, that is kind of like the toxicity of that, of that whole kind of, uh, you know, money printing paradigm, right? Okay. So I, I think it's, it is good. Uh, I think, you know, but, but I think that the thing that you're touching that I think is so amazing is that like the reason why things like Pokemon took off, right? And even, even things like, if you look at like uh, things like Breath of the Wild, right? So you look at these kind of like, uh, you know, all of these things, in a way, one of the things Japan has been able to successfully export is, kind of this Shintoism connection to nature and the natural world, right? So whether it's Miyazaki or, you know, whatever it is, like the thing that bring comes across is the energetic attention yeah. to nature, right? So I, th I think that's something that's exportable, right? Whereas like so many other things are not, I think you would probably have this like amazing kind of boicky mindset where you can see like you know that's exportable you know this is not exportable right like you know and i think this like this pig is cute like 
that is exportable, right? Like that, like this pig is cute is like, that is universal. There's nowhere on the planet where someone will look at that pig and be like, oh, I, I, I that pig makes me angry. I hate that pig. I want to yeah. bite it. Well, like, I was, like, I was no. actually, I was actually mad when we were working the project because I saw them and I, I was mad at myself because I was like, I was like, I'm mad about how cute I think this is. I was like, I was like, you know, it's no reaction. I was, I was like, I was like, God damn it. I was like, man. I was like, I'm not like, why do I feel this way? But it was, it was really cool. But you're right, you're right. That connection is there. Uh, they do a great job of, I mean, you know, Japan is, is, is the country for exporting soft power, right? You know, anime, everyone knows these things. Everyone loves, it, everyone loves game culture that comes from there, anime culture that comes from there. So they have found a way to be able to make that monetizable uh, for them. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I wonder how that's going to work in the NFT space because, uh, now we're just talking about international business in general, which uh, is hard when um, you know the country uh, operates in a certain way. And again, we go back to different cultural values. But yeah, yeah I'm not taking anything away from them in the fact of like, yes, they understand this connection with nature, uh, this connection with uh, the ability between uh, you know person and product, and and making that relation. And again, you know, that's one of the reasons why I was like, I really want to amalgamate it within this project because. It, if, if nothing else, I'm quintessentially successful for having, you know, made a game, made a blockchain game and made it with its Japanese elements with, you know, a Japanese partner. And hopefully that, you know, really solidifies my career in some way, shape or form. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's they're they're making some really cool things and they always have been. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's if you just go into the domain of gaming. Right. Like Japan has had successful export. Right. Like the, if you look at Nintendo. Right, you just look at all that. It's like, okay, nice job, right? If you look at PlayStation with Sony, yeah. like, nice job, right? So it, it, there's a thing going on. Like, it's definitely like yeah. you know, because Japan is just some tiny country, right? So like, yeah. you know, what's up with that? So there's definitely uh, a lot of amazing things you can do, and uh, yeah. you know, I, I think you've really got uh, cool, cool things. There, there. It concerns me about their legislation a bit, because um, you know, like, cryptocurrency used to be very broadly adopted over there, and now it's a lot more heavily regulated. Uh, and so that has made it a little bit difficult to do things with cryptocurrency, um, let alone other limitations and, and checks and balances that exist. But, you know, the innovation is there. It's, 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 it's just, it's always interesting to see how anything becomes popular in the end. Well, this has been really exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, NFT NYC. Yeah, uh, so, plug it. We're on a panel together. Let them know. <laughs> that's right. We're gonna we're gonna be uh, John and I are gonna be uh, doing a metaverse panel. Yeah. So uh, you know, I think that'll be really fun. I I think it's really a vital service that we will try our best to provide, which is that yeah. the metaverse and NFT like it's pretty irresistible, right? It's a pretty important yeah. topic. So you know, we're yeah. we're very yeah. happy. Yep, we'll be talking on supply. Uh, you know, uh, Michael Arnold will be there to talk about more about what we're talking about in terms of supply. But in general, we're going to have a really cool talk. So yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing the stage with you. And thank you so much for having me on here. Now, oh, wonderful! It's been a great show. I really appreciate your uh, time. And uh, you know, we'll we'll see uh, we'll see you over there. Okay. All right. See you soon. Okay. Thanks.